0: This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampinato. This is the Stick Blade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. It is a Detroit Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks Red Rivals podcast where we cover all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and then just general news around the NHL. I'm your host for tonight, Jordan Linscott, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse and Tim Stampinato. On the schedule for tonight, we're going to have a two-parter episode, a lot to talk about because the show was sort of on hiatus last week. But a lot has gone down in the hockey world. So on part one of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the Seattle Kraken expansion announcement. The interteam scrimmages that happened for the teams that are going to be participating in the playoff, playing rounds. The actual exhibition games themselves, the atmosphere, production quality, stuff like that. And then for the actual Red Wings news, we're going to be talking about a couple of the players going to the Czech Republic. And then on the Blackhawks side of this podcast, where I was going to be talking about the exhibition game that they played against St. Louis, and just sort of takeaways from the game, and just general opinions and impressions from the game, on part two of the podcast, we're going to be doing a full-blown play-in preview of this whole play-in round. We're going to break down all of the matchups and what we think the keys to win will be for each team, and just really what we think is going to shake out in these rounds and then we're going to finally going to finish up with some viewer questions we have a couple that we're going to talk about this week that we finally got so we are going to talk about those to sort of round the episode out so with that being said let's go ahead and dive into this stuff guys um first let's talk about probably the biggest news not concerning the playoffs the seattle kraken is the official name of seattle's nhl expansion team they did the official announcement, showed the jerseys, the logo, an idea of what the rink's going to look like, all that sort of stuff. Um, what were you guys' initial takeaways?
1: Love it. I am so excited. I love the name. That was the name I was hoping it was going to be. Um, I like the color scheme. And the thing I like most about the logo is yes, it's a wave with the Kraken tentacle in it, but it's an S to pay homage to the Seattle Metropolitans, which was. Um, the team they had from 1910 to 1920, where they won a cup in 1918, um, but they kind of just dissolved and vanished. And I think that's a great area for that team. I'm—I I mean, I've never been to Seattle, but I've heard I love it from everyone that's been. Um, uh, they might be my West Coast team, Squid Bros, bro. I love it. I'm so
2: hyped. I those the hype videos and the trailers that they had leading up were the kind of the kind of content that you want to get a fan base energized I, I love Seattle uh, I've got family in Seattle I know they're excited about it uh it, it's great the Kraken is exciting it's got so much you know imagery and mythical stuff that you can pull from the sunken ship ideas you know this horrifying sea monster I I had sort of resigned myself to assuming it was going to be the Sockeys. And
1: oh, that'd like, be, have I mean, been gross.
2: Yeah. It wasn't something that jazzed me up. This jazzes me up. And I believe that the Seattle Metropolitans were the first U.S. team to win the Stanley Cup. Not a big deal. But I'm very excited, like you said, that they're paying homage to that and that they've woven those different elements into the logo. I also really dig the the shoulder patch, the secondary logo that is both an anchor and the Seattle Space Needle. Mm-hmm. That's a nice touch. That's a really really nice touch that did not escape me. I was very excited about that. Their away jerseys look great too. I it's a good color scheme all around. It's now that I'm done with the hype. Now I'm terrified for who they're uh, who they're gonna steal from my team. So, so let's talk about
1: yet. that. I mean, Jordan, <laughs> what do you think before we talk about that?
0: I really liked what Seattle did for this announcement. I thought they had just a great social media presentation for the announcement. I like the fact that they had like a full blown schedule already up for fans who wanted to get you know a look at like a specific aspect of the team. So like you didn't like if you wanted to you know get a look at the jersey or whatever, you didn't have to sit and watch the stream for eight hours or however long the stream was. I'm I'm exaggerating here, but. You didn't have to sit and watch the whole stream. They said, you know, at around this time period, we're going to put this announcement out. So I liked that. And, dude, I'm sorry. Those home jerseys are awesome. I mean, it seems like...
1: Where are they again? I'm trying to find them again.
0: I'm one for simple jerseys, but I like a little bit of complexity to them. For me, they're almost perfect. They're not, you know, 15 or 16 different lines on them. They're But they're also not bland like there's some creativity to them but they're not overly flashy and i like that as well mm-hmm. plus if you look at the actual kraken's logo and i thought this was kind of a cool touch if you look at the s there's actually a it looks like a little red eye on it which i think is kind of just a cool yep. little accent that and most the tentacle, people don't catch
1: and the tentacle inside the wave too
0: Mhm. like i just i liked everything that they did with this announcement i thought it was great from top to bottom
1: yeah i now think just, um fine. sorry uh the i love their logo um like the red wings logo in my opinion is still the best logo because homer but
2: hmm.
1: when i went to visit my best friend in minnesota when we played them and burt Bert got that hat trick last year two years ago last year last year i didn't realize how cool their logo was too i love their logo like i think they have one of the best league too but That Kraken logo, oh, and the colors just, chef kiss, (laughs) mwah.
2: Now now the real question is going to be, is it going to be the Seattle Kraken or the Seattle Krakens? does Kraken. Uh, I believe Kraken is both singular and plural, but I am not a a linguist.
1: We need to ask um, Liam Neeson. He would know. He's the only one. Release the Kraken.
0: Release the Kraken, (laughs) no.
1: I'm gonna kidnap his daughter and then I'll ask. Him what could go wrong? I've seen how so, this plays out.
0: Someone should just like make like a meme of that. Like it has like a picture of him in uh, like the yellow fisherman hat and jacket with like a spear, and it says, "I will find you and I will kill you." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Terrifying. Uh,
0: no, I'm, I'm I'm
1: pumped. So let's talk. Um, who do you want them to take, and who do you think they'll take? So Jordan, let's start with you.
0: All right, so who do I want them to take? Obviously, just an applicator. Are they going to take him? Obviously not. Um, he's, a good,
1: he's a good veteran presence. He's a leadership. listen.
0: No locker room leadership is worth $4.5 million. I'm sorry.
2: If you're trying to Did hit you, the cap floor, that's a very different too. do
1: Don't you remember in the 2009 Stanley Cup Final when he had back-to-back two goal games? Let's just send them that highlight video and say, look, it's just an applicator.
0: If we could go one episode. Like, you know what the thing is though? Like Seattle doesn't even have to worry about hitting the cap floor because they literally sold out season tickets within like the first day of putting them up. So like, they don't even have to worry about being like a budget team. Like they're just going to be like, yeah, we're going to spend all the money we want.
2: All right. But they There's... need to get to the cap floor to be in compliance with league requirements. Mm-hmm.
0: But who do I think they'll take? <sighs> That's a tricky one, because Detroit doesn't really have anybody who, in my opinion, is super notable who they won't protect, right? Like, Sedina doesn't have to be protected. Cider won't have to be protected. Larka and Mantha and Bertuzzi are obviously going to be protected. Uh, Danny DeKaiser will be protected. They don't have a goaltender who is going to be like a sure guy who's going to be taken, in my opinion. I mean... My guess would be if the organization leaves somebody like Robbie Fabry or a guy like Luke Glendening open, they might take him. But aside from that, I really don't even know who they take. I mean, because like I said, anybody who is on Detroit who's going to be worth protecting, Detroit has the slots to protect them. They don't really have a roster full of players that Seattle can look at and say, well we're not going to get a first line center from this team, but we can take a, a second line center from him, or we can't take a top pair defenseman, but we can take a surefire top four guy. Like Detroit doesn't have that player for them to take.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at, um, some lists right now. I mean, yeah, I'd like them to take Applicator. That would be nice. Give him a fresh start. Um, I could see them taking Svechnikov. I could see them taking Cholosky. Uh, um,
0: that's right. Svech won't be protected. They could even take Gustav Lindstrom too. You know what? As much as it pains me to say it, I actually would like to see them take Svechnikov, and not yeah. because I dislike Svechnikov as a player. It's just I think that kid needs a new place to go play. I mean, it's, he it's obviously he's he's been stopped basically in Detroit's pipeline now by multiple players. If he doesn't have just a fantastic season this season with the Wings, he's not sticking around, in my opinion. So maybe Seattle's the place he needs to go.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I could see, I could see that happening.
2: Because we were just talking last time. I don't know if there's a spot realistically for him in your organization right now, with the way that that injury really hurt him
1: more than just an injury. Wise, it hurt his ability to earn a spot on the team. And would Rasmussen also be available? I could see the team protecting him. I think they see okay. something in Rasmussen.
0: See, I think I think they'll protect Rasmussen because I think he could be potentially the third-line center for them when they finally emerge out of the rebuild.
1: This From the Detroit Free oh, Press, they're speculating for forwards that are protected, Larkin, Montha Bertuzzi, Fabry, Rasmussen. In the mix, Svechnikov, Giovanni Smith, Dmitry Timoshev, Christopher N., Adam Ernie, and Tara Harosa. Um, defenseman protected. Aronic de in the mix. Chalowski, Lindstrom, Bowie. Goaltenders, we don't really have a goalie, so they won't yeah. worry about that. Because Philip Larson will be fine. He'll be exempt.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I mean, who do you want him to take aside from, or who do you think they'll take aside from Abdul David? Who do I want, or who do I think? Well, who do you think?
1: Um, Honestly, I think feshnikov could get a fresh start i think um they might take Hiroshi. he is a very smart kid and like our vets have praised him i don't want them to because i still hope he could get a spot on the team even in you know at the bottom six but i could see one of them going defenseman. i don't think any of these guys are good enough for them to take now i got a question
2: And I'm just throwing this out here. Could we see something like we saw with Vegas where we would trade, you know, a young player for an incentive to pick or not pick a player? Could you see them trading either Svechnikov or Timishev or one of those maybe young forwards for them to pick Abdulkader and get Abdulkader off? Do you think that would be worth it?
1: Wait, so say again?
2: So, in the Vegas draft, a lot of or a couple of teams did a trading system and an agreement system with Vegas where they would trade a young player or a player that, you know, they could afford to get rid of to Vegas as an incentive so that they would either pick a specific player or I think for when the Hawks did it, we traded a. Kruger to them, and they took Van Riemsdyk, or we traded Van Riemsdyk to them, and they took Kruger. So theoretically, you would set
1: up a deal with Seattle to take or to avoid a player. Okay, So we trade them Jonathan Erickson, and then we give them <laughs> Advocator.
2: Oh, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Everybody, yeah, they're going to love that. It's a win-win. But do you think getting rid of I... Advocator at this point is worth... Trading a young player to them for incentive? No.
0: Okay. applicator has got what he's got two years left on his contract, or is it three? We, can, we can, I think it's. I think and it's, it's three. three. We can suck I mean, it up, though. Yeah, I feel like at this point Detroit's wrote out so much of that contract, he just sort of, he just sort of bite the bullet and say, well, I've endured five years of it. I might as well just endure the rest.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. And they've you got know, enough cap space.
0: Tim, who do you think that they take from Chicago?
2: I've done a lot of hard thinking about this. I, uh, I've gone back and forth. I've weighed my algorithms and my theories. I think if they go with a defenseman, I think that we could potentially lose Murphy, which I don't think is necessarily the worst thing for us. I love Murphy. He's stable. He's one of our best defensemen. But we've got a pipeline. And if I if they end up buying out Mata, which I believe they will this offseason, then we're going to have to protect Keith. We're going to have to protect Seabrook, obviously. And then if we have some one of the young ones, I, I think that Murphy is one that's going to end up being left unprotected. Uh, if they go forward, I could see them. I could see us leaving uh, Neilander unprotected. Uh, Just with everyone else that we've got to protect, I could absolutely see Seattle saying, you know what, we're going to try and get a William Carlson kind of situation out of this. Let's get a guy that has a ton of potential, former first-round pick. Let's see what happens if we put him into this new position on this new team. I I think that Nylander would make the most sense for them.
0: Okay, so pretty interesting choice. Um...
2: And both potentially players that would could potentially really benefit uh seattle murphy is an automatic uh placement in your blue line and nylander's got that high potential again no one saw william carlson being anything more than a third line center and wild bill went off so it's an interesting high-risk gamble
0: no looking at seattle as a team i mean the team's not going to be struggling in terms of you know ticket sales or fans yeah. or anything like that do you think that they go and they immediately try to be a Stanley Cup competitor or do you think that you know they look at their situation and say we would like to be somewhat competitive right now but we want to build a perennial contender instead of just a contender for two or three years
1: i don't know I mean, I didn't expect Las Vegas to go to the Stanley Cup Final in their first year. Nobody did. They were just hamming on teams in the playoffs. And living in the Washington, D.C. area, I was really pulling for them to win. Oh, for sure. I did not want the Caps to win.
2: No, I was all in for Vegas. I love Fleury. He's one of my favorite non-Hawk, just overall NHL players. Uh, And just that whole concept of the team of misfits like they they were the leftovers from every other team and they rallied together in the face of you know the the vegas shooting and coming together as a team in the city it was the kind of story how do you not root for it
0: and that's sort of i think something that i'm not sure seattle's gonna do because seattle's you know it's it's an area that has plenty of intelligent people You're Mm going to be looking at an organization that's probably going to be absolutely just going crazy with analytics. I mean, Seattle's filled with tech companies. It's really going to, I think, boil down to do the people who are looking at players who the team is either drafting, developing, or picking from other teams, does it look like that group is going to meet a lot of advanced stats that these players, cup contending perennial contenders are, you know, having like, what are their coursing numbers look like comparatively speaking? What do, you know, just simple stats like face-off percentage or shot differential, what does that look like for them when they're building a team? Like, I think that will probably be what determines if Seattle's going to go for, you know, the, we're going to go for broke immediately. We want to try to get something to happen quick or we're going to build something for the long haul.
1: I think they're going to build for the long haul. And let's take this, you know, new team to make the big push to bring back the SuperSonics.
2: I I think it depends on who they get. If they're looking at, you know, if I'm Seattle, I'm looking at what Vegas did and I'm saying, "Okay, I want that. We've got the same <clears throat> we've got the same structure for our expansion draft. We're not getting, you know, complete dregs. We're getting Quality, full-time NHL players, a lot of them, you know, whether they're bottom sixes or not, if they can get the right comparable, like, lineup together, people that mesh well, you're able to, depending on who their coach is, you're going to definitely have your analytics, you're definitely going to have your fancy stat people that are, you know, pushing. But if that team gets out on the ice, Vegas's plan completely shifted as the season went on. because. If those players take to it and they say we're going to prove everybody wrong and we're going to go for this thing, then I think as management representing a new like representing a new face in a new city, you got to go for it. You got to give the people something more. Than, I think they'd be understandable if it's not very good the first couple of years, but we've also seen franchises, you know, expansion franchises struggle because of that. I think they got to go for it if they see that there's even a slight possibility.
1: They're going to build a good team. They're going to be smart about it. I mean, for sure. Vegas built a phenomenal team and they almost won the Stanley Cup.
2: Yeah, a couple of bounces and they could have.
1: So we'll
0: see. Well, I think we've talked enough about Seattle for the time being. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about something I, that's, you know, Red Wings related because, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a Red Wings and Blackhawks podcast. Um, A little bit of news coming out that it looks like, f- in particular, Philip Zadina and Joe Valeno are going to be going over to play in the Czech Republic League since Detroit's not in the playoff mix, obviously. You said and, his uh,
1: name wrong, just letting you know. <laughs> Oof, how embarrassing. Joe fucking Valeno. There you go.
0: Oh, my gosh. Did you did you go on Reddit when this was announced at all, David?
1: I I didn't. I should have.
0: Somebody posted this really funny comment, and it I don't remember who the username was. So whoever posted that, I'm sorry, I I don't remember your name. But they were j- basically joking. They're like, you know, Zadina and Volino are gonna be walking around the Czech Republic, and as Zadina introducing people, he's gonna be like, "Hey, this is my buddy Joe. He he fucks," like.
1: <laughs> Joe Veleno's going to have, like, seven illegitimate kids by the time he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> going to feel ice his own team. Yeah. We're going to get a bunch of little Valenos from the future.
0: But in all seriousness, I mean, so it looks like Philip Sedina and Joe Valeno are going to get to go play in the Czech Republic League. And if I read correctly... They're even going to be getting in play with the same team, for that matter, basically until the NHL comes back, which, as far as I'm aware, the plan is at least December. So, I mean, those two are going to have ample time to play together in practice. I think this has got to be the best development plan that the Wings can do at this point. Obviously, unless the team's going to have just inter-team scrimmages all summer and all fall. There's nothing really else for them to do, and I think some reps are better than no reps. Um, Absolutely. My my only worry is that when Zadino went to play in the World Juniors his second year after he spent his initial year in the AHL playing for the Griffins, a lot of the coaching staff noticed he was falling back into old habits that they were specifically trying to coach out of him in Grand Rapids. My worry would be that he would fall back into those habits if he goes to the Czech Republic and he has more ice to you know, make his own plays happen and doesn't have to rely on his teammates as much as you have to do in the NHL. So I kind of feel like it's a toss-up in that regard. What do you guys think of just the move itself?
1: I think it's okay. Um, I think he's learned a lot since he's been here, and I don't think he's going to fall into that groove. I think he's been continuously growing learning. Um, I think it's good that he and Valena are going to be playing together because we could see them on the same line when the Wings finally get to play again. Yeah, so it's a good nice point. It's to kind of build that up with each other. I mean, um, I'm hoping... I'm just It depends on who we draft, too, because I would love to see whoever we draft, if they're a winger, we put with them. So um, I think this is a good idea. Get them some playing time. Let them play when it's not just you know skating up and on the ice and scrimmaging let them play like real games getting that real mentality let it happen
2: absolutely uh i know we were talking a little bit earlier i think one of the best things for valeno especially is going to be playing against men big bodies you know if he's going to be the second line center that you guys are hoping he is you know he's gotta hone his skill sets against you know that full professional competition there's There's nothing bad. There's no downside to that. Again, there's concerns about injuries, but Mm -hmm. there's always going to be concerns about injuries. Uh, I think with them on the ice, you know, Zadina honing his skill sets, especially you hit the nail on the head with, he's been getting ingrained with better habits. He's had a whole nother year under his belt of getting what the coaches want from him. I'm hoping I can't imagine that it would be as easy as it was in his earlier career to slide back into some of those bad habits. He'll at least have more of a foundation, uh, but I, I think from the from a growth and potential standpoint, it's one of the best things that you could do for two of your young players that you're hoping to take another step.
0: That was the only piece of Wings news that I could think of for this week. Um, We're going to talk about the Hawks side of the podcast on part two, because that's really when we're going to dive into it. Um, We'll go ahead and move into the actual playoffs right now and just sort of talk about those for a minute. So a couple things happened, you know, these past two weeks with the NHL clubs. Um, The first being is that the teams have officially started playing again. the first real game practice that guys were getting were these interteam scrimmages. Um, I believe the Hawks hosted, what was it, three or four of them, Tim, actually in Chicago? Right.
2: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: And I didn't watch all of them, but I did watch two of them. I thought that a lot of the players surprisingly didn't look as rusty as I thought they would.
2: Right? I felt the same way. No, they they sort of obviously there was a little bit of rust, but you could definitely tell that it was good. They just felt good getting back on the ice because uh, they sort of hit the ground running. And the way that they were explaining Colliton and the coaches running the the camps and the scrimmages, that's basically what they did was nonstop. Let's get let's hit the ground running. Let's maximize the amount of ice time we have. And I think they responded well to it, you know, looking at those scrimmages, you know, just with not even just the movement on the ice, but also their passing was a little tighter. You know, I, it was exciting to see them start to get their edges back. And it was interesting to see who picked up better than before and who, like you could tell was like, okay, they're getting back into the swing of things. It was just interesting to take note of.
0: Let's let's talk about the actual exhibition games cuz I think that's that's the thing that is really worth talking about. Um so exhibition games resumed this week and they put them, you know, broadcast on TV. People could watch them through either, you know, the NHL app or if they're on television. Um what were your guys' opinions of the exhibition games if you watched them?
2: I thought uh with you know obviously, I can talk about the Hawks one, but I also thought that the Rangers got out of that with uh what could have been a very scary injury, but Mark Stahl managed to avoid an injury uh which is very beneficial for them since he's one of the people that's got some decent playoff experience uh I think that's something that I think maybe some people were I was a little nervous about was okay in these exhibition games. It's important, and we need to take him seriously, especially since this is the only warm-up we've got. But you also don't want to see somebody go down their first game back going into the playoffs. So I was glad to see Mark Stahl okay with the Rangers. Uh, and then I primarily watched the Hawks game. I'll let you guys go through before I jump into that one.
0: Uh, David, did you watch any of the games at all?
1: I was not able to. I was busy with Masters work, but... Um... I looked at how excited you know you guys were with the Blackhawks whipping on the Blues. So. I love it.
2: Ah, oh, it's listen, I don't care if it's an exhibition game or not. It is never. It it's always good to see us beat the Blues. Always, especially a shutout against the Blues.
0: I watched the Chicago one, I watched the Edmonton one and the other one I, I watched was uh who was it? It was the the Penguins one. Nice. So first off, dude, Edmonton looks legit like
2: Yeah. Yeah, they do.
0: McDavid and Drysdale, they didn't take the time off. They they stayed themselves. Hmm.
2: Here's the thing though, I expected that from McDavid and Drysdale. The the best player in the world and the Hart Trophy winner or what will, will be the Hart Trophy winner most likely. Um, it's the rest of their team that I want to keep an eye on. Uh, I saw, uh, what's his name? Cat is Cat, Cassian's Cassian how you pronounce it. Right. The, the one. The yep. Uh, he laid out Gustafson and I felt very bad for Gustafson on that one. Cause he just knocked the helmet off of him. Gustafson was slow to get to the end. He played the puck and got a penalty for it. So it's he certainly seems to be back in his form for the Oilers.
0: I really liked Athan to see that game. I thought he was actually very good. Like all things considered, like he wasn't, he wasn't putting up great scoring chances, but you could tell like he was drawing pressure off of his line mates, which is positive. I mean, it's no secret that when he gets hot, he gets very hot, and. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of good to see that you know he got legitimate respect from the opponents, like they weren't tr- letting him have free chances if they didn't have to.
1: Oh, Stella got her groove back. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee, you got his groove back. No, well, I'm excited for the
0: kid. Yeah, the, I think the Edmonton one was my favorite of the playing games. Like I just, man, that was so so awesome to watch them at least have what looks like some sort of hope, considering that the team has not been good for. What are we going on over a decade now at this point?
2: I think they've been to the playoffs once. but Before this, they've been to the playoffs once in the last like 10 years.
0: Yeah, so I mean, even though, yes, it was just an exhibition game, and I would love to pull for the Hawks to win. I'm not going to be upset if Edmonton actually makes it into the playoffs this year because that fan base, they need something to cheer for. They haven't really had it for a decade.
2: Yeah, they've got McDavid. They can cheer for McDavid. What do they need a what do they need a cup for?
1: Don't worry, they'll have McDavid and then they'll somehow get Lafrenia.
0: Oh my god. Please no. You, please no. Like I put the tinfoil hat on when when we got bumped from first overall to fourth, but dude, if Edmonton wins the draft lottery, the oh. league will be in flames. Like fans it's- it's we'll still win Montreal
1: win. on Tankathon. Tankathon still has been the number one pick on, on Tankathon.
0: Oh, Montreal definitely.
1: This. Montreal
2: called dibs. Like, and that needs to be respected.
0: Like, could you imagine the NHL if Edmonton wins it again?
2: Yeah, and they waste another first overall pick? That would be heartbreaking for him.
0: I just Maybe. can't even imagine what would happen. Like, every team's fan base at that point, I think, would basically be like, this system's got to stop. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that would definitely be. I think if them or Pittsburgh get it.
1: Okay, and like, once the Red Wings are challenging again, they'll be like, all right, we're going to change it back.
0: Yeah, picker exactly. Just change it back. The team that's in dead last is going to get the first overall picker going back to the NFL system.
1: Yep, once but... the Red Wings are, you know, doing well again, they'll change it back.
2: Yeah, that tracks.
0: Um. One thing I actually was surprised at was the atmosphere of the games. Um, It's obvious, you know, no fans are in the stands and yes, it's different when they're not there, but I, I thought it was good to see that, you know, the NHL was at least trying to get that feel for the players definitely. with like, you know, like the fans cheering and the goal songs and stuff like that. Yeah, like,
1: they, yeah, that's a good idea. Like I, watch a lot of premier league soccer and on the tv they have fan sounds like it's the crowd it's not actually happening in the in the actual right. game but you can hear it in the tv so i think it brings that energy back and the fact that they're having the goal horn the goal sounds for the players that gives them some excitement and energy
2: and they need it like they, anything that they can do to make it feel like a more amped up experience one of the things that I personally love that really makes this feel like an official run to the Stanley Cup Uh, the NHL has recorded fans boos and the different teams Mm -hmm. fans booing so that they can play it when uh, Bowman presents the Cup and I for one love that they are that self-aware
1: yes
0: that's awesome
1: yeah that's that's really good for me Not, not Bowman Batman oh yeah
0: Bowman Batman they're both gonna get booed I think
1: did i say Ah,
2: bowman Bowman. (laughs) uh freudian slip
0: (laughs) um did you guys have anything else that you wanted to talk about before we move into uh part two of this podcast
2: i the only thing that i did want to cover really quick was how impressed i was with our rookies in the exhibition game i thought doc looked Phenomenal. That, watching him come back uh, with the whole phase three, with the scrimmages and the on-ice practices, he's just looked stronger and sharper and more confident. And we could even see it in the in the exhibition game. His confidence was buzzing. And he's so defensively aware he was getting not just power play time, but uh, penalty kill time. If he, because the projection is going to be that his line of uh him Kajula and DeBrinkert is going to be going up against Drysdale if he can carry that confidence remain defensively you know reliable and still put up points that's going to be to me that's going to be a game changer for the series and then I thought Boquist looked really really nice as well very smooth with his movements He was joining the rush. His passes were clean and to the point. He didn't look defensively shaky. You can tell that he's put in the effort to just get stronger and sharper on that, and he's been working well with Keith. So I'm hyped for our veterans that are getting back into the playoffs, but that exhibition game showed me that our rookies can hang, and that's very impressive to me.
0: I really like the Hawks' power play. I think that, for me, was the thing that, when I looked at it, I was like, okay, they they definitely have improved this sub- substantially. I mean, the Hawks' power play was not good this season, Whoa. in my opinion. It, I thought it left a lot to be desired. This exhibition game, it looked just so much better. The fact is, you know, positioning seemed better. Actually choosing your shots seemed better. And they just... They seem to constantly either be in positions to catch rebounds. The goalie made a saver. It bounced off the boards. And just. They just seemed like they were more organized on their power plays than they have At, been this season.
2: Absolutely. A lot of what we've had, like a lot of the knock on our power plays, it's just been a lot of cycling the puck, not getting a shot off. The shots that we did get off weren't good quality shots. With all the talent that we've had, we've never had a good power play. And. With this combination that they've got now, I think that we have the right combination of skill guys, of people that can crash the net and screen. Uh, Keith is doing a great job of anchoring the blue lines part. I they, They've hurt me before, and they're going to continue to hurt me, but if we can actually find consistency with that first unit like we had on that last game, on that exhibition game, that the the Oilers have the best power play in the league and the second one of the like top penalty kills in the league. Our power play is going to need to be on its game game if we're going to take advantage of any penalties that we get. Otherwise, it's just going to be a five on five slog. So hopefully, our power play can uh, do something for us.
0: Just like impose your face over the uh, the Michael Scott uh, again, <laughs> where he's like, "No doubt about it, I am ready to be hurt again."
2: Oh, every time. Every time I turn on the Hawks, I'm re- I'm so ready to be hurt.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm.
0: Um, <laughs> that is such a great gif. I.
2: I wonder if that's how you guys are going to be when you're in the draft lottery next year.
0: That's us oh. every year in the draft lottery.
1: <laughs> the Red Wings have the best chances of first overall, and a shocking twist, they get the tenth pick. That's not weird. this year. It surely can't be this year. How do they get the 10th pick? They can't even drop that far. Oh, well. Well, we had to make room for Edmonton and Pittsburgh and Montreal. Uh, even though Pittsburgh, you know, is in the Stanley Cup final, let's give them, you know, the matter. first pick. Crosby
2: needs an air.
0: I think we're ready to move on to part two of this podcast. So if you're still with us, uh, stay tuned. Part two will be coming up in just a moment.